0: section this may be rough the only thing i know for sure is that he is a detailed and meticulous psychopath you have this way of taking things to the edge it's important not to get too close to the flame leave it alone i mean you're like a dog with a bone with this thing just cut and i'll talk to you so is this really a vampire documentary or something more sinister Let's find out, shall we? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Forever Fangirls podcast. I'm Sheila Mato, and along with my wife, Kimberly, we are your hosts and we're glad you can join us. Yes,
1: and as you heard from the trailer, we are going to be reviewing A Place Among the Dead.
0: Yeah, this film was released in 2020 and there's a reason why we're reviewing it now. But our standard spoiler alert is in effect here as we will be talking about specific plot points and themes. So if you have not seen A Place Among the Dead yet and you listen past the banter, you will be spoiled. Okay, so um, we were at Comic-Con for the first time in a long
1: time this past week. Yeah, we, we went to New York Comic-Con, and we haven't, let's see, we actually together, the last one we went to was actually the very, very first one. Yes,
0: where the fire marshals actually shut
1: down. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think at that time they used the entire Javits Center. I think no. they only had a section. Right. But we went to see Mia Yovovich, and to show how old it is, Everything was sort of done on paper, mm-hmm. so you had to buy the tickets there, mm-hmm. and we didn't get tickets. So basically, we went to Comic-Con and saw panels and walked the floor. That's all we could do. Yep.
0: But it was a fun experience. And it this really was, was. This was slightly different than that. Yeah, because, you know, we got to
1: meet a lot of great people. Uh, guests were wonderful. We did get to meet Juliet Landau, who actually directed the film we're about to discuss. Yeah. And you were geeking out. Geeking out. Don't make fun of me. <laughs>
0: About the Buffy photo
1: op. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, wouldn't you? Buffy and Xena were my shows. So I,
0: I understand. I mean,
1: you had Spike, Drusilla and, and you had Cordelia in a photo. Come on. I know.
0: I know. That's why I was like, all right, you know what? It's it's a once in a lifetime thing. So let's go ahead and do it.
1: And then, of course, you had David Tennant, The doctor. The doctor. You know, I mean, by the way, speaking completely tangential, because that's the way my brain works. Mm. Did you know that Juliet Landau actually did The Voice of the Little Sisters in Bioshock, one of my
0: favorite video games? Uh, I don't play video games, so no, I would not know that. You've
1: seen me play it. Fine. I'm going to have to find a video for you uh, because it's such a great little creepy performance. Okay. Um,
0: So that aside. Yes. How about we jump into the movie facts about this film? So as we said earlier,
1: the film was released in 2020, and it's also Juliet Landau's directorial debut,
0: but she also co-wrote the screenplay with Deverell Weeks. Yeah, and the movie is actually set up like a documentary, and I was actually pleasantly surprised to see a lot of interviews with Ron Perlman, Gary Oldman, and and, Anne Rice, to name a few, actually. So, on to the synopsis, according to
1: IMDb, A Place Among the Dead is a genre-bending elevated horror film, which explores the repercussions of growing up under the sway of narcissism and psychological abuse. In this revealing, terrifying, entirely scripted meld of fact, fiction, and the fantastical, Jules, driven by the demons of her past, embarks on a journey at the potential cost of everything she knows and loves.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack in this film. So we're going to just skip my deeper summary and just dive into the themes.
1: The themes are going to be a bit different and it might be out of left field. But after viewing this film, it seems to be more about what you get out of it rather than what the creative team wants you to feel or like that avenue they're trying to lead you mm-hmm. down. So it's it's more like an art piece than straightforward.
0: I mean, from the trailer, right, it's talking about a vampire documentary. So yeah. you're thinking that, OK, it's, ooh, it's about a vampire. And given the role that she used to play, it's like, oh, all
1: right. I mean, that's one little fun tidbit is mm. they actually have a section where one of uh, the victims, I believe they become a victim later on, turns around and says, oh, my
0: God, you're that Buffy chick. Right. So I was like, oh, OK, so there's that. But you actually had a different take on it because I was thinking of it like really a plain okay there it's a it's a vampire thing but you you took it to a different level yeah
1: i i found this film to be very psychological mm. so for me the vampirism was not so much about the blood sucking murders although that is what it, it showcases mm-hmm. for me it was about vampirism being somewhat like people will suck the life out of you to serve their greatest purpose before tossing you away mm. Like if you watch people in Hollywood or even in life when people need something from you or they just take, 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 take and take without giving anything in return and it almost is sucking your life force. They have this like insatiable hunger to keep feeding off others because they can't keep themselves alive from within. Mm. So I took it as all of these victims, they serve a purpose in the story. Mm -hmm. The person gets what they need out of them. They suck the life out of them and then they pose them to make a great effect or sequence or scene that then causes more intrigue in the individual, which then causes more people to be drawn to them, which then gives them more power because they can then suck more life out of people. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. It's a bad cycle. Yeah. Which is why I said, you know, you had a different take on it, because when I was watching it, I was taking it very literally, right? Um, At the beginning of the film... It actually took me off guard because I I was not expecting it. It was an overview of Juliet Landau's actual parents, and then there's like whispering behind it, you know, that you're not good enough and that you you have to. I can't remember all of the words, oh, but it was so all you're nothing, it was all don't negative, us. right? Yeah. Exactly. So, and you also said, you know, that's there's narcissism in there where mm-hmm. someone always has to be better than someone else.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it feels like again. Same with vampirism, where the the sucking the life out of narcissism feels, both of them feel very Hollywood-esque. I saw that pretty clearly. I think out of all of the themes that I I seem to pick out of this, the narcissism and the vampirism were the two clearest to me.
0: Yes, for me as well.
1: You know, the use of, of children as props for photos and family life publicity really does scream out Hollywood. You know, we see it all the time where even in, in royal family, you know, they've got to have the specific photo and, you know, where are the kids and what are the kids doing? And everybody's got to be prim and proper all the time. But in the same token, the words she was saying over those photos are like, you're a mess, you're this, you're that. Because right, are not good enough. I didn't necessarily think it was just because they weren't good enough. I think it was said to the child because the parent obviously isn't good enough. So the parent is transferring their insecurities onto the child, because it's easy. Mm. But I also took it as you weren't good enough, A, to be my child, because I expect more of you because of who I am, especially in Hollywood. So that's the narcissism. Mm -hmm. But also, if you have a child who's suffering, if you have a child who's a mess, if you have a child who doesn't outshine you, it's immediately you're a martyr. So you're kept up at a higher level. So the attention is always focused on you.
0: Interesting. Well, the the thing that in those whisperings, right, the thing that got me is that, you know, you, you need to be in a vlog, right? It's one of the last things that, that the whispers said. It brings to mind like the narcissism of social media sometimes where mm-hmm. you always focus on you and you want to show, you know, whatever good is. And it's sometimes it's just a facade. It's one thing to like document something as it's happening, mm-hmm. but showing it where you are in effect manipulating it so that it shows a certain narrative, you know, that feeds into the narcissism of how you want people to
1: see you. You know, that that is an excellent point because that actually is one of the other things that I thought was a theme. And if you don't mind me going into the next one because sure. I, I'd like to continue that train of thought.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The photos for the poster. Were of the real life and then the artwork, yes. Now uh, in the movie, the killer, when they find their next victim, they will do this beautiful art piece in a DVD, and you, you know, they'll they'll
0: leave it behind. I think it's found like in a conspicuous area, so that it's like, oh, wait a minute. So you know, the, the point is, the killer sets it up to yeah. suit their
1: narrative. But the interesting part is, it's very two faced, and that goes into social media, it goes into narcissism, it goes into everything. But I kept seeing it as being two faced because. In the film, the serial killer, like I said, uses the artwork mm-hmm. to showcase his victims. But in a sense, he's reflecting what perceptions are, mm-hmm. right? There's a person in the world who gets to see the images online. Gets The to images see,
0: he wants everyone. But I'm to saying yeah. social
1: media in general. Mm-hmm. Get the images he wants, that he mm-hmm. perceives. Yeah. But this is also social media like Instagram, you know, Twitter. It will never be X to me. It's just Twitter. <laughs> okay. When you're out there and you put photos out there of yourself, there is the person you present to the world. Mm-hmm. That person is then kind of like absorbed into what other people assume you are. Mm-hmm. Right? But how true are those images? Are they set up? Because perception is key. I guess what I'm trying to say is people seem to strive to influence and and showcase the beauty they assume will bring in the likes, the follows and eventually add revenue, mm-hmm. right? But the film kind of leaves us with this idea of whether people really know where the human begins and the art life ends or vice versa. You know what I mean?
0: Right. I mean, that's where the synopsis from IMDb comes in, right? It's the it's the melding of the fact and fiction. Yeah. What is real? What isn't?
1: And the more we put ourselves out there and the more digitized we are, the less I think human we are.
0: Yeah. That's why AI actually does scare me a little bit. Oh, it terrifies me. Like right now, it's, At least for me, it's easy to spot what thing might be AI, right? Mm -hmm. But as it gets better, it's going to be very hard to try to figure out, okay, is that Kimberly really speaking to me? Or is that AI? If you take it at
1: face value, because we inherently as human beings do somewhat give the benefit of the doubt and believe what we read and what we see because we have to trust our senses. Right. What this film kind of is telling me is that everything has two faces. Everything has several sides. And unfortunately, our senses lie to us mm-hmm. because they only do what they do. It is up to us as human beings to put the entire picture together, all of the avenues working as a, as one to make a whole and unfortunately, because we do have environmental stressors, because of how we've been raised, because of the narcissism, the vampirism that's been around us, it is so hard to do that. Yeah. Because when you have that voice needling the back of your head that you're a mess, you don't deserve this, don't outshine me, I can go out into the world and do my very best, but my very best will still be not outshining the person next to me because I'm a mess.
0: Yeah. And it it does permeate. All aspects of your life, mm-hmm. not just not just that one piece that you were talking about. So, so
1: yeah, it, and that I think also can lead into the next. I'm so sorry if this is getting super psychological <laughs> and like in depth. I don't mean to
0: well be it a is, downer,
1: but it, it is a harder film.
0: It is a psychological film.
1: Um, there's a victim, Veronica, and she is attacked by I think it was Darcel, the
0: the, the vampire. vampire. Yes, vampire air quotes.
1: Yeah, so he attacks her, and she survives. He basically leaves her because, I guess, at the time, she was not his type. Mm -hmm. And Juliet tells her, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it, you're going to be safe. They put her in a safe house, they do all this stuff, and in the end, the killer comes back to finish the job.
0: Because the interest got reignited because of Juliet. Because of Juliet. Yep.
1: That, to me, leads to... That this film also showed obsessive guilt,
0: yeah, and that also was another theme that was that came out clear to me because she felt like she was the cause of this person's death. The victim was spared, mm-hmm. but because she continued at it, and it was you know one of the prevailing themes in the interviews, right, with the famous people that. And we actually had it in the trailer. You're at this like a a dog with a bone. You're just not letting it go. So she's obsessive with that. You know, she was keeping at it like Mm. a dog with a bone, not letting it go. And it caused someone who was safe. She was attacked, but she is safe and alive is now dead.
1: Yeah. And that that caused the downward spiral, I think. I think that was the turning point because, you know, her partner leaves, she starts obsessing, she stops sleeping, Mm -hmm. she gets depressed, she starts screaming, I want to die, she can't handle, you know, all of that, you know, however irrational the obsessive guilt is, it does shine a light on how we do need to process our grief and we do need to process our place in certain things because if we don't, it can overwhelm us and devour us from the inside if we don't have that supportive group. Right, you know, to keep our heads above water.
0: So it was, it was very interesting that aspect of it. Yeah, and the other thing that I was, I was thinking about because this was also prominent. Right, they had the the forensic uh, expert, they had police. The story was wrapped up in you know a trying to investigate all of these deaths. You know why they happened. Yeah, and serial all that. killer. Right, so. It's, it's society's obsession with crime, mm. how things happen, why did it happen, what was the killer's thoughts. I mean, we'll never know what their thoughts are. And they actually did show, like, if I remember correctly, in the, in the film itself, they were, you know, flashing all of these different serial killers mm-hmm. in, in one of the segments. So it's like, oh, all right.
1: Thinking about what the film said, why do you think society is so obsessed with true crime- and specifically serial killers?
0: Well, because it's something out of the norm. It's not what normal people think about. And maybe it's a way to understand how a serial killer develops so that you don't do it again or something. You know, It's the macabre. Mm. You know, it's just they're so out there. Why would it happen? It can't happen to me, but I should learn about this so that I can spot it. And again, that goes into the narcissism. narcissism.
1: This is such a nature versus nurture movie Mm. that it's very hard to delineate. Yeah. Where the lines are so blurred that it's almost like a perfect psychological study. Mm -hmm. There's a great line that the film ends with. And I think this just sums up all the themes. And it simply says, the door to evil is always open. Mm. You know, you're going to walk through. And that's what I think all of these themes kind of mean? Because we can all be narcissistic. We can all be vampires. We can all be two-faced. We can all do all these things. But are we going to walk through that door and accept that it's part of us? Or are we going to rage against the machine and fight it? Mm. That's what I kind of got out of it. And that's what I, I think the theme is. What do you think?
0: All of the themes that we were talking about have that ability to destroy someone if they wallow in it.
1: But you also can destroy other people. Yes. So it's not just destroying yourself. I mean, theoretically, you're right, actually, because if you become that extreme narcissistic person or the person who is so two-faced, you lose yourself. I can see what you're saying, Mm -hmm. true. But I also kind of wonder if it's more about if you walk through the door of evil, evil consumes you and you destroy everything around you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I can see that.
1: So I think... Is there any other themes or anything else you want? I think we just had a really serious like conversation there.
0: Very. Um, so maybe we should just go into the bad?
1: The things we did not like?
0: So for me, because I'm very linear in my thinking sometimes, um, it was very hard for me to follow the film. And I was really a bit confused at first, and I, I really couldn't follow where the movie was going to be or was heading towards or mm-hmm. was trying to show. Um, you know, when when it started to, at the beginning when she said, you know, I'm going to make a vampire documentary, I'm like, oh, all right. So she's you know, leaning into the Buffy character that she played. Um, but then there were different jump cuts and overlays and shifting of tones. I couldn't quite figure out if you know the it was fact or fiction and maybe that was the point but it it just took me out of the entire film um and then you know add to that that sometimes the music that was going throughout the whole film kind of was overwhelming and again maybe that was the point but i was just i felt lost i actually hate to admit i agree
1: okay There were times when I did need to think about where I was in the development of the story. Like I had to take a step back and be like, wait, what? What's Mm -hmm. that referencing? Mm -hmm. However, having had a lot of time since we've seen the movie, it's been about a day, and I've marinated on it. Mm -hmm. I think that's the point. Mm -hmm. I think it was a purposeful directing technique. As Juliet falls further and further down the rabbit hole, you know, losing all sense of time, space, reality, herself, everything kind of, almost becomes disconnected mm-hmm. and I think it was showing her descent in a visual frame where we're experiencing as she goes so was it difficult to follow because she was lost and as an audience we were lost I think that is a distinct possibility okay I'm, I'm not sure I mean we'd have to to ask you know Julia Landau about that about her specific choices right but I could see why I was lost and then why it was done.
0: Okay. So talking about uh, something else on the film that kind of threw me off, there were several scenes where you know, she was working with the police in mm-hmm. the investigation, which is fine. But it seemed like she had a lot of access to all of the files that were currently open, right? I don't think that was how it usually is. Right. So you
1: felt it was not within the realm
0: of disbelief? Correct. Because okay. she's, she's really, in the grand scheme of things, she's a civilian, mm-hmm. right? She, she's helping the investigation, fine, but not all civilians actually have, or I wouldn't think, have that big of an access to the case files. I think you're accurate on
1: that because even if it was a media agreement, I think there would be things the police hold back. Correct. um, Because you don't want that in the public because of cases going to trial and you don't want the public to know certain things so that when you can find a suspect and you interview them, you have things that nobody else knows. Right. For me, it was one victim's mother having a copy of the dvd that was sent to the police or as evidence yeah in
0: regards to the the video with the the images and the artwork before she passed right i actually turned to you and said that can't be why would they leave evidence with them with the mother the yeah, that case was, is still
1: open that was hard for me mm-hmm. uh the other thing that was weird for me was the cut where she comes back to the house says the door's open And we don't see a police officer. Like, we know they're outside. There was a cut earlier establishing that she has police presence nearby to protect her. But we are in the basement. It's all dark. And there's, like, blood on the wall. And then the camera quickly jumps to the left. And then there's the police officer holding the DVD. And I'm like, okay, that's a good jump scare. But the police officer would identify himself that he's in the house and the house is clear. They wouldn't let... Juliet walk in the basement terrified. Those things were a bit like, wait. Now, do I believe the average person would be bothered by that? Possibly not. Okay. So maybe it's just me then it, I guess, can fall into the realm of disbelief. Mm. The The sticking point to me is the sharing of the evidence because she was involved in interviews, she was involved in a lot of stuff, and although they would allow the video, I don't know if she would be in the room.
0: Right. The other thing that, that jumped out at me is, you know, the police keep telling her, don't touch anything. And yet, I'm thinking of a specific scene where she's crawling to, you know, crawling around in the uh, crime scene, and then it comes out and... You know, there's there's a lot of other things. Mannequin legs. The manne- the yes, exactly. But she's not wearing any gloves and she was just touching the ground and she had moved like a, a plastic curtain or something. And so it's like, all right, well, you've contaminated See, the crime scene.
1: That sequence, that part didn't even get me. Really? What got
0: me was the police officer had no
1: gloves. No, he did. I didn't see gloves on his hands.
0: He had he had Did he his, have gloves? His leather gloves. But it's, it's, leather not, gloves. Right, it's, it's still not contaminated. The,
1: it's not latex yeah. gloves. Yep. So that's where my head went. I went, <laughs> wait a minute. The, the police officer doesn't have latex gloves. Right. Yeah, no, that that is a problem. Yeah. But again, the average person is I mean, how many times do we go see a saw movie and really think about the the logistics and the possibilities? We just go
0: to see the overarching horror of it. Yes. So and I can see
1: where this can just
0: fall to the wayside. Right. The the one thing that you had just said um a few minutes ago, where you said uh, jump scare, I actually was not scared at any of the. Usually with these types of films, you'll see me. I physically will jump. Well, out you of had my one chair.
1: big jump scare.
0: Oh, I actually don't remember that.
1: No, you literally were sitting next to me, and all of a sudden you went, "Oh!" And you just, I was like, "What was that?"
0: Oh, all right. Well, you don't remember. I don't remember it. <laughs> um, but I. I was actually thinking that I wasn't as scared with this with this film and maybe because it is more psychological. Yeah. You know you're you're expecting something because something has been established mm-hmm. and and you're seeing something that you don't want it to happen and then it does, but the way it happens just takes you by surprise completely.
1: Yeah, the way the music just crawls up your spine and, and right. does it so slowly. It feels like a spider and you know there's imminent doom, but then it doesn't happen. And then all of a sudden you think you're fine and it does. Yeah, yeah. For me, this film is not scary in a scary sense. It is not terrifying in a horror film or thriller film sense. This film, to me, is more terrifying in an AI, what is coming, think before you jump. Mm. type way Mm -hmm. because when you take a step back and you look at the themes of how life is how society is where we're going how people seem to seamlessly walk into the door of evil and think nothing of it because they're quote-unquote harmless crimes yeah from politics all the way down everybody seems to at certain points walk through the door yeah and it seems to me that that's what's scarier because when do we stop
0: yeah until you know the definition of enough, what your definition of enough is.
1: But is so. my definition of enough the right definition? I think that's what's terrifying for me is there's, there is no answer. And that kind of also goes into a slight bad for me. This film does not give any answers as to who Darcel is. You know, it's a very ambiguous ending. Is it proof that demons exist? Or is it just the machinations of a person suffering from a mental breakdown? Because this could be easily dismissed as the whole film is jumpy. The whole film has cuts. The whole film has all of the stuff because it's a person on a downward spiral. Or maybe a first break schizophrenia. You know, I can literally come up with all of these different answers for why. And again, that could also be the point. Yeah. Because we as human beings want answers of the irrational
0: to make it rational. Correct, and that I was actually going to say. Well, there might not be an actual answer here.
1: Yeah, because evil can take the form of anyone. Could be otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Could be anything. You know, so I I'm not sure. I think that was the point. But it, I think for me, having just a hint more clarity would have given me that like answer I needed.
0: Well, I think the hints were there that it's actually a person, not a vampire, and that you well, know. All of that? Yes.
1: I mean, I got hints at the end when they were showing, you know, scenes of a guy that we knew mm-hmm. he's this. And if you think about it, it was the stereotypical vampire look with the long hair and the brooding eyes. Mm. It's everything you expect the vampires from the romance novels to be.
0: Or was that just her hallucination?
1: I don't know. I have no idea, a- aka why, aka
0: ergo, ah.
1: <laughs> ergo, not aka ergo, why I would like a little bit more clarity in that yeah. regard.
0: Uh, Anything else that we should... No, Lord, this has turned into a huge psychological study. Yeah, okay. So that does it for our discussion of A Place Among the Dead. Now it's time for a Forever Fangirls rating. Drum roll, please. We rate A Place Among the Dead three stars, and this is a blended rating.
1: So my closing comments are simple. I really think this film is rather hard to rate, but I'm going to go ahead and give it a 3.5. I look at it more like a painting in the Museum of Art. You can stare at it and gather one opinion, then see it again years later and walk away with some different emotional attachment. I think the film is like that. It's an art piece that leaves its emotions raw on the table and allows you to gleam of it what you will. Whatever connects to your scars is what you will see or feel or or absorb. You know, Maybe on a later viewing after different experiences that have changed you, the viewing might be different. In the end... I think A Place Among the Dead is what you want it to be. Nothing more and nothing less.
0: Okay, I don't know if there's really much that I can add to that, but I'm going to say just really quickly, You know, I I rate this film a 2.5, and that's primarily because it was hard for me to follow where this film was going. There were some themes that were very clear, like guilt and narcissism, but because of all the jumps that were so stark... It was really hard for me to get into the film and absorb its message. But maybe if I watch it again, it may be different. Who knows?
1: Maybe. You never know. It's the one great thing about entertainment as a medium is because at any given point in your life, it can change because it's all about perception.
0: It is all about perception.
1: So that's going to be our show for today, folks. We appreciate you tuning in to our review of A Place Among the Dead. As always, if you'd like to reach out to us here at the Forever Fangirls podcast, we have several ways you can do that. You can go to our website at foreverfangirls.com, where you'll find all of our social media accounts, a contact form, and the ability to leave us a 90-second message through SpeakPipe, as well as subscribe, leave a review, and the like. Thank you so much, and we look forward
0: to hearing from you. And until next time, stay safe, be kind, and remember... Different people walk away with different perceptions of the same film. Just like any works of art, beauty is in the eye of the beholder.